You're listening to the On the NBA Beat podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Brian, it's a shot. LeBron James with no regard for human life. Jordan. And now, your hosts, Lauren Lee Chen and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Welcome into our very first episode. This is Aaron Fishman, and to help us celebrate this inaugural episode, we have Alex Kennedy coming on the show, managing editor for Basketball Insiders, and he's been covering the NBA for the last decade. Just a terrific reporter. Little known fact about Alex, when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won their first and only Super Bowl, he wept tears of joy and then set off fireworks. Let's start the show. Alex, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I'll speak for myself, although I know my co-host will agree, but I'm really excited to have you on, especially as the first guest. I know you've been doing this for a long time and we'll have tons of insight to share for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime you guys want me to jump on, I'd, I'd uh, be happy to do it. Uh, always it's fun talking hoops with you guys. I'm glad the season's finally here. You know, talking off-season moves is always fun. But now that we actually have some basketball to break down, it's pretty cool. And uh, I think we're all ready. We, we, we've waited a long time for this. Yeah, I think you're right. It's getting exciting as we only have a few weeks to go. And um, just to start off, how was your off-season? I, I know you did a ton of coverage for Basketball Insiders. It was good, you know, basically uh, did some traveling, uh, covered a lot of free agency stuff, summer league, the draft, and, you know, normal stuff like that, just all the different events, so it was a lot of fun. You know, I, I enjoy the off season. I think it's fun to cover uh, the transactions and free agency moves and the business side of the NBA, but nothing beats basketball, so once it's back, it's a lot of fun, uh, but no, it was a good summer, no complaints here. Just to start off and, and jump right into it, the Warriors had an amazing season, just such a dominant team. Can you make the case for us why the Warriors are still, why they should be the, the odds-on favorite to repeat as champs? We've been hearing um, about how they may have lucked into a championship with injuries and, and the Clippers blowing the lead to the Rockets and stuff. And, and then also, kind of related, can you touch on the continuity versus adding talent debate? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that there's no question this is a team that was historically good last year. You know, they won 67 games. Uh, they were terrific on both ends of the floor. You know, they could beat you on offense and defense. And, and I think people forget that they're still a young team. You have guys like Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, who could continue to improve. Coach Kerr, obviously, right now is away, but uh, I think everyone expects him to be back pretty soon. And uh, he should show improvement as well in his second season. Uh, as the head coach there, it's very difficult to be a first-time head coach in the NBA. So he'll he'll do better in his second season. I think the players will be more comfortable playing for him too because they'll know what to expect from him. And I think players there they feel disrespected. I did a uh, interview with Draymond Green recently where he talked about how you know everyone says oh the only reason they were able to win a championship is because. Cleveland was banged up, and they didn't face the Clippers, and uh, now San Antonio is getting all this love, and you know they, they really do feel disrespected, and I think they're on a mission to go out and prove that last year wasn't a fluke, that they are a, a great team, um, and, and they're a team that basically brings everyone back, as you mentioned, continuity and chemistry is so important, I think uh, oftentimes we get caught up with 
you know, some of the moves that happened in the offseason. And surely, you know, teams like San Antonio, they improved a whole lot being able to add LaMarcus Aldridge and David West. But there's something to be said for bringing back the same core and having that chemistry and having guys that are comfortable with each other. And uh, Golden State has that. And uh, not only do they have that, they have young guys that should continue to improve. So um, I think uh, the Western Conference is going to be brutal. It's really hard to say who's going to come out of the West. But I certainly think you can make the case for the Warriors. And if they can stay healthy... um, they could repeat. It's very possible. What about the Cavs in the East specifically? What's going on with Tristan Thompson's situation? Does that have potential to last into the season? And how bad is it for the Cavs if it does? Well, yeah, it's an interesting situation. Um, I, I think everyone thought he would take the qualifying offer because now he really doesn't have much leverage. You know, had he taken the qualifying offer, he could have played out this season and become unrestricted next summer and that's where you know it's much easier to be unrestricted than restricted because you can go sign whatever contract you want so I think a lot of people expected that but uh you know he decided not to take the qualifying offer so now really his only options are hold out the season become restricted again next summer which isn't very appealing or reach some kind of deal with the Cavs but he doesn't have leverage now the Cavs basically can control these uh, negotiations so it's a, uh, a strange move. I'm very surprised that Tristan Thompson and his camp went this route. Um, I do think that it has uh, you know, potential to last into the season. I think that basically at this point, Tristan's only move is to hope that you know Kevin Love and Anderson Vergeau, those guys are banged up and they're not able to pr- produce at a high level. And uh, Cleveland realizes how badly they need Thompson. I think that's kind of what they're hoping for at this point. Uh, but I just can't see him getting the max offer that he wants. You know, He's a, a guy that is a talented role player, but they're already paying Kevin Love so much money. Um, he does have so many weaknesses in his game. I think that uh, this could end badly for Tristan Thompson. I, I think it could end with him making less money than he anticipated and maybe having this whole uh, you know decision not to sign that qualifying offer or take the offer that was on the table kind of blow up in his face. So it's a, it, it certainly is going to be interesting to see how this kind of plays out. We haven't really seen something like this happen in recent years where a guy holds out into the season, but it could be a distraction. It's going to be interesting to see what happens from here. I mean, I think that's definitely one of the biggest storylines to follow as the season starts. Yeah, it's such an interesting situation. This is Lauren again. Do you think the disparity between the West and the East is the biggest we've seen in a long time? The West is so strong, and I feel like there are not that many championship-quality teams other than the Cavs and the East. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's pretty crazy, this disparity right now. You know, it's pretty amazing. You look at the Western Conference, and last year you had the Thunder outside of the playoff picture, which just seems crazy. You know, had Oklahoma City been in the Eastern Conference, we're probably talking about them as one of the best teams in that conference. Uh, I think this year when you look at uh, the East, uh, there's real no clear-cut competitor for the Cavaliers. I think everyone pretty much assumes that Cleveland's going to be in the finals once again. There's some talented teams like Washington and Chicago, Toronto, Milwaukee, but um, I think everyone knows it's kind of Cleveland and everyone else in the Eastern Conference, whereas the West, it's just brutal out there. You talk about the Warriors, the Spurs, the Clippers, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Grizzlies. I mean, there are just so many talented teams out West, so there's no question there's a huge disparity. And uh, I've talked to a number of players that have have said that, you know, that's going to impact your free agency decisions and things like that. I talked to agents who have said that in the draft, they hope that their players go out east because it's an easier route to a championship. And also it's an easier way to 
get uh, individual accolades as well. I think people forget that. You know, when you have so many stars in one conference, it's tougher to be an all-star. It's tougher to get some of these individual awards. So it wouldn't surprise me if in the next few years we see some of these players that are free agents move from the West to the East just because there is an easier route to the finals and uh, you can rack up some individual accolades a bit easier. So it's possible that we could see that disparity start to close a bit, that gap start to close in the next few years. But there's no question that this year it's it's enormous. Speaking of the Thunder, with the new coach Billy Donovan and healthy, hopefully, Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, do they still have something to prove after missing the playoffs last season? Or are they for sure one of the league's top five or six teams? Well, I think if they're completely healthy, they're going to be an elite team. But there's a lot of question marks there. You know, Billy Donovan comes in. He has uh, no NBA head coaching experience. So that's always a concern. I like Donovan. I think that he's someone that should do a good job there. Uh, Scott Brooks, you know, he really uh, kind of ran things that were predictable. And he was criticized for not getting the most out of guys like Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. So it'll be interesting to see if Donovan can get more out of those guys. Um but injuries are, are always a concern with the Thunder every single year. Um, the Jones fracture that Kevin Durant had, that's always a concern because uh, usually guys try to come back from that too quickly, as we saw Durant do last year, and it leads to other injuries and it limits guys. Russell Westbrook, you know, with his style of play, he's been hurt uh, often throughout the years. Serge Ibaka can go down. Um, there's no question this team is talented, and if they're healthy, they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference. But, you know, it, health is a big question mark for them. So it remains to be seen if they can play that full potential and be at full strength all year long. But I, I do uh, I do want to see how Billy Donovan can coach this team. Um, I think they, they have to be all in on this year because Kevin Durant's a free agent after this year. Russell Westbrook can follow the following year. So there's a this is a huge season for, uh, for the Thunder, and there's a lot of pressure on them to succeed. Hey, Alex. Joshua here. I wanted to stay in the West and ask you about Anthony Davis. It seems like every season he adds another dimension to his game. And I know he's packed on a ton of muscle in the offseason and is adding a three-pointer to his arsenal. How much better do you think he can truly be this season under new coach Alvin Gentry? I'm so excited to see what Anthony Davis can do. I'm a huge fan uh, of his game. I think that he's you know one of the most dominant players in the NBA. And I think he'll win the MVP award at some point here in the near future. Um, it's it's insane to think that he could be better after what he did last year, just putting up monster numbers, leading the league in PER. But like you said, he's bulked up. He's now about 253 pounds without uh, losing any uh, you know muscle uh, mass. Uh, you know he still has the same body fat percentage. Um, you know, and he's adding a three point shot, which is very scary. We saw him knock down a few threes last year, but Alvin Gentry, one of the first things that he did whenever he came in as head coach told him, you know, go shoot a ton of threes because that's what we want you doing this year. So when you think about the fact that, you know, he's going to have a reliable three-point shot, uh, that he's going to be even bigger so he can bang with some big men down low. And I think Alvin Gentry, just being the offensive genius that he is, is going to help him so much. You know, Gentry was the one that helped the Clippers two years ago become the number one offense in the NBA. Last year he helped the Warriors become the number one offense in the NBA. You know, this is the guy that gets the most out of his players. So uh, you take Mont- uh, Monty Williams, replace him with Gentry, and uh, that's a huge upgrade. And then the fact that he is getting so much bigger and working on his three-point shot, and um, the fact that he's just still so young, you know, we're talking about a guy that 
is you know 21 years old. Uh, he's still years away from reaching his prime. So I'm really excited to see what he can do and how he develops. Um, I, I'm kind of concerned about the supporting cast they have there. I, I wish they had some more talent around him, but uh, hopefully they can stay healthy this year. That's been a big issue for them in the past. You know, guys like Drew Holiday, Eric Gordon. Ryan Anderson, you know, those guys have been down. So if they can stay healthy, this could be a very good team. But um, I am curious to see how he develops. Uh, it, it seems crazy that every year he does improve somehow. Uh, and I think he could do it again. What was it that Alvin Gentry said in the biggest understatement of the offseason? I think he could be a pretty good NBA player, something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Pretty good NBA player. I think so. He has a chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> A chance to be pretty good. Um, I, I, I just love Anthony Davis. People give me crap on Twitter all the time because I'm always tweeting out his stats, and I, you know, I'm in love with the guy. I think that he is just so dominant, and, and if he does not win an MVP award in his career, I will be stunned because the numbers are ridiculous. You know, barring injury, this is going to be a guy that I think will be probably the best player in the NBA at some point in his career. You know, LeBron James, obviously. Um, because he is so much older, he'll be on the way down when Anthony Davis is coming up. Kevin Durant probably has something to say about that, but I just look at Davis, and he's so unique and can impact the game in so many ways. Uh, I just can't wait to see how he develops. Yeah, a team that made a splash this offseason, obviously, um, was the San Antonio Spurs landing LaMarcus Aldridge. What do you think are some potential early drawbacks to the signing, and what do you think really works about it? Well, there's no question it was a good signing. Um, there's going to be an adjustment period because Aldridge is someone who in the past has been able to take a ton of shots uh, and really be a guy that succeeds in isolation uh, situations where, you know, Portland would drop him the ball and he'd be able to shoot from wherever he wanted. He would shoot with a hand in his face. Uh, really, he didn't play Spurs-type basketball. Um, and it worked very well because he's so talented. He's one of the best power forwards in the game. And you know, shots that normally most players shouldn't be taking, when LaMarcus takes them, they're good shots because they go in. So um, it's just going to be interesting to see how he kind of changes his game a little bit. I still think that, you know, they're going to put him in isolation isolation situations, but, um, you know, the Spurs, uh, they're so good because of their ball movement and their balanced attack. So it's going to be, uh, you know, on Greg Popovich to – uh, get LaMarcus acclimated, and I think it's also going to be on LaMarcus to make some uh, sacrifices, too, and maybe take some less shots and, uh, and give up some touches, but it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out. There's no question that it was a great signing, though, because I think we all kind of saw this first team was getting older, and they had Kawhi Leonard, but people were wondering what's going to happen whenever Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker and those guys are gone. Now, with Aldridge there on a long-term deal, with Kawhi Leonard re-signed, they have that core they can build around going forward, um, you know, for that next era of Spurs basketball. So I like the move. I think that Greg Popovich is a wizard, so he'll find some way to make it work. Um, I, I really have a hard time betting against Greg Popovich. I think that he'll get the most out of Aldridge, and he tends to uh, make players, you know, fit into his scheme and uh, and have them buy in. So I think it'll work out, but there's definitely going to be an adjustment. There's no question about that. Right. Shifting gears from a team that the Clippers beat in the playoffs to a team that eliminated the Clippers, I want to talk about Ty Lawson. He had a really tough offseason with the alcohol problems, but it could be a really exciting time for him joining the Rockets. How do you think his presence will affect Houston, both on and off the court, 
in, in particular, um, how will it affect James Harden on offense? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, first of all, hopefully that Ty can get the help that he needs because, uh, as you mentioned, it was a rough offseason for him, and he's dealing with a lot of stuff off the court. So hopefully that all gets situated. That's the number one priority. You know, that's bigger than basketball. Hopefully he can get his life in order. But I think uh, when you look at uh, on the court, the impact it could make, it could be very good for Houston. You know, they've been looking for that, um, you know, that player that they can add alongside James Harden and uh, Dwight Howard to take them to that next level. And I think Ty Lawson could be that guy. Um, I, I think the interesting thing with Ty Lawson is there's kind of two Ty Lawsons. There's uh, playoff Ty Lawson, who's really focused and gets a ton of assists and is very good, very efficient. And then in recent years, we've seen there's Ty Lawson, who when a team is struggling, you know, he, he tends to quit on a coach. He isn't playing his hardest. He's not focused. He's missing team events and practices. So now Houston's hoping they're getting that, you know, focused Ty Lawson. They're hoping that they can get the, 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 the Ty Lawson that's been very successful when he's been in situations where he's playing for a, uh, a playoff team and a contending team. So this could work out very well for them. I think it's a low-risk, high-reward move. The fact that they didn't give up too much to get him, uh, in my opinion, makes it a great move. And because he made that final year of his contract non-guaranteed. So even if it doesn't work out on the court, you know, they get a $13 million non-guaranteed contract that they could trade. Uh, so at the very least, he becomes an interesting trade chip for them and a trade asset. So I, I like the move a lot for them. I think uh, it was a no-brainer for the Rockets. I get it for Denver, too. You know, they wanted to get him out of there. They wanted to hand over the reins to Emmanuel Moutier. It really worked out well for both teams. But like you said, with James Harden, it'll be interesting because, you know, Patrick Beverly and Harden have kind of complimented each other really well because Harden needs the ball in his hands, whereas Beverly really doesn't. Harden isn't the best defender, whereas Beverly is a great perimeter defender. You know, Lawson isn't that great on defense. He needs the ball in his hands. So uh, I'm curious to see how Lawson and Harden can coexist or if we're going to see Lawson come off the bench and, uh, and play with some different players. It'll be interesting, but uh, there's no question that they got a very good player in Lawson. And uh, if he can, you know, get right uh, off the court, then this could be a very good move for them. Yeah, and back to the Clippers for a second. We alluded to them a little bit earlier. Jamal Crawford, I love that guy. Off the court, on the court. You did a great interview with him the day of that DeAndre Jordan craziness. I'm a little worried, though, about Jamal Crawford and um, how he might coexist with Lance Stevenson. Is that a legitimate concern, do you think? And how do you envision that working itself out if he's still on the Clippers? And I guess that is a big if, right? Yeah, that is a big if. You know, and Jamal understands that. Uh, one of the things we talked about on that podcast, uh, it's the Basketball Insiders podcast, and you can find it on iTunes, on SoundCloud. Basically, he came on the day that DeAndre was kind of flip-flopping and making up his mind, and it was a crazy day. We talked about all the DeAndre stuff, but at the same time, his name was in trade rumors. You know, people were talking about him possibly going to Cleveland. People were talking about Miami. You know, his name has come up a lot. So Jamal basically understands that, you know, he has a very good contract, a very tradable contract, so his name will continue to be mentioned in rumors for quite some time. So he understands that. And I think also just with the moves that they've made, uh, his role could change a lot. You know, Austin Rivers is back, and last year really what the Clippers did was uh, whenever their starters were out, they just hoped that uh, Crawford and Rivers could score some points. Now, you know, they have Paul Pierce, they have Lance Stevenson, they have Josh Smith. They've added so many guys, so Crawford's role could change. And uh, again, when you have a, 
a contract that is uh, as attractive as his, teams are going to be calling and I think a number of teams look at him and think he could be that missing piece for them where he could be a spark plug off the bench that helps them score and uh, and makes them better. So Crawford could be on the move. Uh, if I'm the Clippers, I'm holding on to him. I just feel like, you know, I, I don't necessarily trust Lance Stevenson and Josh Smith and Austin Rivers as much as I trust Crawford at this point. I want to see how those guys play before I make some kind of move and, and get rid of Crawford. Um but at the same time, you know, I, I think they're weighing their options. If they can get a solid backup point guard, if they can get a solid backup center, maybe that's where they look to trade Crawford and, uh, and fill another need because they do have so many wings uh, on that bench right now. I think you're right because he's, he's instant offense off the bench, and if they can upgrade, they should do it. I just don't think that they would get the value that they would want and need for him. So I think they should stick with him and, and just try to make it work. But just moving on, we're a little bit ambitious with everything we want to cover just because we're talking to you about general NBA. So if you don't mind, try to be quick with this response. We want to know, is there a particular head coach you think enters the season on the hot seat? And if so, what does he have to do to avoid being fired early on in the year? I think it has to be Steve Clifford. Charlotte needs to win, and uh, they need to win big in order for him to keep his job. They made a lot of moves this summer, bringing in guys like Nick Batum, uh, they brought in uh, Jeremy Lin. You know, they went out and signed win now players and acquired win now players. And uh, Clifford's in a situation where he made the playoffs in his first year. They really re- regressed a lot last year. The Lance Stevenson thing didn't work out. They've tried to put the pieces there for him to uh, take this team to the next level, and it hasn't happened. I like Clifford, but I think he's definitely on the hot seat. And uh, if things don't work out there, I could see them making a change. In the past, they have not been scared to make changes very quickly if things don't go well with the head coach so and Clifford's probably the guy I think that that's on the hot seat right now another quick one if you don't mind the Heat starting lineup is stacked if they can stay healthy do you have reason to believe that these guys can mesh they just have so much talent in that starting rotation yeah they're going to be very good I think uh, I like their starting lineup uh, I think they've also improved their depth too you know I, I love the fact that they were able to go add First of all, Justice Winslow in the draft at number 10, that's a huge steal. Gerald Green and Amari Stoudemire on minimum deals were just bargain bin contracts. I think those were excellent moves. And then as you mentioned, the starting lineup should be very good with Drogic, Wade, uh, Luol Deng, uh, Chris Bosh, Justin Whiteside. This is a very talented team that, you know, I think if they play to their full potential and stay healthy, which again, it's, it's always a question with them. You know, they're kind of like the Thunder where... You don't know what you're going to get out of Wade. You don't know how Chris Bosh is going to bounce back from this blood clot. You don't know if these guys can stay healthy. But if they can, they could be, you know, a number three, number four seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the East is really wide open. They could be that talented. Talking about another team that, that could be really good in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks, they have a slew of exciting young players, and they're entering the season very healthy. Them and the Utah Jazz, another purple and green team, Um, What do you expect these teams' ceilings to be, and what can potentially hold them back? Well, I think Milwaukee, they're going to be the better team of the two. Uh, Last year, they were one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. Uh, They struggled on offense, but now you get Jabari Parker back, you had Greg Monroe. So I think they're going to be very good. I I could see Milwaukee being, you know, a number five or six seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I think last year, being able to make the playoffs and get that experience, that was huge for them. So I I like Milwaukee a lot. Utah, the Dante Exum injury is really tough for them. I think they were, uh, in my opinion, they were a lock for the eighth seed before the Exum injury. 
Now I think they can still make the playoffs, but it's going to be much tougher. Uh, Trey Burke really needs to step up, or they need to make some kind of move for a, uh, a point guard there. I think they're going to be battling with with teams like Phoenix for uh, that eighth seed in the West. But I like these teams a lot. I think they have two of the best up-and-coming teams, uh, up-and-coming cores in the NBA. You know, Milwaukee, they're just so loaded in every position, and, and so is Utah. So I think a few years from now, we're talking about these teams as contenders. Speaking of young players, are there any under-the-radar rookies that could become solid contributors to their team? Also, are there any second-year players that are ready to take the next step and become a next-level player this season? Well, there have been a few rookies that have impressed me in the preseason, um, guys that aren't lottery picks. Uh, Bobby Portis in Chicago has really impressed me. He had a great summer league, and then now he's coming out, and he's doing a great job with Chicago, um, You know, not, not only scoring the ball, but just you know making hustle plays, rebounding the ball. Um, he's third in the NBA right now in uh, rebounds per game. So uh, he's doing a very good job. You know, it, it remains to be seen how much he's going to play during the regular season just because they do have so many power forwards on that roster, and they, they may be making a move to, uh, because they have that log jam. But I like Bobby Portis a lot. I think he could be someone to watch. Um, a guy that I like a lot, too, is Stanley Johnson. He's a, he's a bigger name. He's a lottery pick, but he's been terrific in the uh, – in the preseason, uh, Stanley Johnson, Rashad Vaughn from Milwaukee. You know, those are three rookies that kind of jumped to my mind as guys that have looked good so far, and I think they could uh, be, you know, difference makers from year one uh, and from day one, really. Um, and then in terms of uh, sophomores to keep an eye on, I think that uh, Alfred Payton is going to have a breakout year, in my opinion. I actually just wrote about this today on Basketball Insiders. Um, I think that, you know, the fit with him and Scott Stiles in Orlando is perfect. I think that uh, he, he's definitely gaining confidence, and he looked more comfortable toward the end of last season uh, with Orlando. He was putting up monster numbers after the All-Star break. He had back-to-back triple-doubles at one point. Um, he's someone that is really improving a whole lot. He's improving his jump shot. He's already a very pesky defender. He can fill the stat sheet every single night. So don't be surprised if Alfred Payton makes that jump from you know, good point guard to very, very talented uh, floor general this next year. I think that uh, he's a, a huge key for this Magic team, and uh, him and Victor Oladipo in Orlando are going to be a lot of fun to watch in that backcourt. Well, I know you're busy, so we'll make this the last question. Can I get one sentence reaction about Jeremy Lin's hair this offseason? <laughs> well, it's changed a lot. You know, media day came around, and we were grabbing pictures for the site, and you had it all spiky, and I thought it looked pretty cool. I like the spikes. And then, you know, he came down to Orlando recently for a game, and, uh, you know, the spikes were gone. The gel was gone. It was kind of like a bowl cut looking thing. So um, I'm not sure what he's doing. He's kind of mixing it up. I think some days maybe he just, you know, has the time to, to, to work the gel in and get the spikes going. Some days he's just kind of getting lazy with it. Uh, but but Jeremy's, a, Jeremy's a good friend of mine. I've actually known him since he was at his uh, – last year at Harvard, so it's been kind of interesting to watch his rise through the NBA over the years. But he's at a point now where, you know, no matter what he does with his hair, he could shave his head, he could have a mohawk, he's going to be a fan favorite, he's going to have tons of endorsements and tons of success, so it's been awesome to watch Jeremy, he's a really good dude, uh, have a lot of success, but yeah, that hair is very interesting, he's, uh, I, I think my, the spikes are my favorite so far, I hope he sticks with that. That's a telling response. You really can't put it into one sentence. It was just too much happening. 
Yeah, I definitely bombed the one sentence part of that question. I'm so sorry about that. I that think was a, that was about a paragraph. I think that was my longest <laughs> answer of the entire podcast. Can Can you really put it into one sentence, though? I mean, how is that a fair question of Lauren to ask? The spikes are great. Let's leave it at that. The spikes are great. <laughs> spikes are great. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Alex. Thanks so much for taking the time to be the guest on our very first episode. And hopefully we can talk really soon. Yeah, definitely. Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, Keep the great work, and uh, if you ever need anything, let me know. Thanks, Alex.